This episode is brought to you by the Cristalino Colección de Mexico, an award-winning portfolio of premium and renowned tequilas established by Juan Domingo Beckman, an 11th generation tequila maker and creator of the world's first Cristalino tequila with Maestro Del Bell Diamante Cristalino in 2008. Over a decade later, Juan Domingo has propelled the category forward and through innovations created the largest portfolio of offerings with seven Cristalino tequilas. Maestro Dobel Diamante, Maestro Dobel 50 Cristalino, Cuervo Traditional Cristalino, 1800 Cristalino, Grand Centenario Cristalino, Grand Coromino Cristalino, and Reserva de la Familia Añejo Cristalino Organico by Jose Cuervo. Cheers. You're listening to Fix Me a Drink, a Flaviar podcast. Welcome to a special edition of Fix Me a Drink. I'm Noah Rothbaum. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, David Wondrich. How are you, Dave? Exceptionally well, Noah, and yourself? I am very excited. We have a truly epic show today, all about uh, Mexico's red-hot bartending scene, what people are drinking down there, all the, the trends. Um, you know, it's it's one of my favorite places to go out for a drink is all around Mexico, especially in Mexico City. I know you are a big fan, Dave, of of all things Mexican. And, uh, and I Mexican. love Mexico. I love Mexican drinks. Yeah, absolutely. And I also this is, love Mexican food. Oh, uh, that is for we sure. That's, another, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and joining us today um, are two excellent guests who I think know even more about Mexico than than we do in Mexico. I, I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly spend a lot of time in Mexico is uh, Benjamin Pedrone, the co-founder of uh, the award-winning bar, which I mean, really almost needs no introduction at this point, uh, uh, Licaria Limantor in Mexico City. Thank you, Benjamin, for, for joining us all the way from Mexico City and, and coming here to New York. So thank you so much for, for being here. And welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and share the podcast with you guys and all the all the people that came to see us. And then obviously uh, to my right is our friend, our old friend, Jaime Salas, who's the head of advocacy for Agave for Proximo Spirits. Jaime, we have done, I don't know how many talks in the last few years, you, me and Dave and a whole bunch of bartenders. Thank you for joining us again. You are a wealth of knowledge about all things uh, Mexico and uh, Mexican bartending. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. You know, this episode, I think, sort of came out of Dave and I talking a lot about, uh, you know, Mexican bartending and, you know, we're working on the Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails, like looking at different drink trends around the world and how drink trends go from country to country and, and how things change and mutate and sometimes... Sometimes what we think or what we thought was going on in a country is actually different than what's going on in the actual <laughs> country. When we go there, we talk to people like Jaime and Benjamin. So, I mean, I, I think it would be a good place to start. Maybe the three of us or the four of us start to talk a little bit about, you know, where, you know, where Mexican bartending, you know, some of the traditions, the culture of, of cocktails and drinks in, in Mexico, what types of things did folks traditionally drink, you know, what types of mixed drinks did people drink in around Mexico? You know, we have this vision in America that uh, Mexico is like the home of the margarita, an ancestral Mexican drink. 
that right. everybody <laughs> has has like learned from their great 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 grandparents, and it's been passed down. And it finally broke through in America after being like everywhere in Mexico. It's kind of not like that, is it? Yes, you are, you are true. It's just mainly like in, in touristy places in the beach, <laughs> everywhere you arrive. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why when I have the opportunity to go to take my courses of a cocktail, I went to London to study. And my final project was to do a twist in a classic. So I did uh, Margarita al Pastor because it's based and inspired in Tacos al Pastor. That is everyone, like even the vegans. Now we have vegan version for Mm. the Taco al Pastor. So I came with that idea and that's why they they born the Margarita al Pastor. And now even Mexicans drink Margarita at Liman (laughs) (laughs) That is good news. I mean... (laughs) That's a great point. No, I mean, yeah. listen, Dave, you know, I, I said this to you before we we, we went live, but um, or went on air, but uh, we're, we're here with one of the foremost historians on the topic. Right. But and, and so when it comes to cocktails that are that are registered as such, we know that before the margarita even came to be in the like 30s, right, 50s, that there was other things that were burgundy that were going on in Mexico. Uh, but I think between that and now, I think all we really have experienced are what we would call in Mexico, cubas, no? Or long drinks. And that's yeah, yeah, essentially yeah. how everything was being dragged up until recently. Literally, whether it was a scotch, whiskey, rum, it was that and something, something what we would call a highball, essentially, right? Or, or neat ones. Yeah, or neat, I mean, yeah. that's what I'm drinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so tequila drunk neat is also very good. But, you know... You can mix it. It's just it doesn't seem to have been so popular in in Mexico. I've done a bunch of research on this. You know, I've got my various little research projects that I've been maintaining for a long time. And one of them is uh, the question of how tequila made it into America and uh, and became such a huge drink here. And so as part of that, I, I went back and started looking at Mexican cocktail menus and uh accounts of what people are drinking in Mexico. I brought some vintage Mexican cocktail menus here from the 1930s and uh, 1940s. La Cucaracha Bar from Ensenada with a picture of a cockroach (laughs) in a top hat and tails, a very elegant cockroach. Uh, The California Buffet from uh, Mexico City with a little boy peeing into the water on the cover, uh, <laughs> illustrated very carefully and sensitively. <laughs> the Zandam Bar uh, with a windmill. This was a famous Mexico City nightclub. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a couple more. Uh, the uh, Bottoms Up Bar that basically ripped off the Zandam Bar's menu, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, these things happen. Uh, nobody's ever stolen cocktail menus in the U.S. No, no, <laughs> never. Uh, and going through this stuff and going through uh, menus from like Mexican restaurants in Los Angeles, et cetera, you see that like where, you know, there were a lot of Mexicans and, and that was interesting. Uh, Mexican restaurants were very popular. Uh, you see that there really aren't very many tequila drinks uh, in the 1930s, 1940s. You know, the, the margarita first comes to uh, attention in 1953. So where that's kind of our cutoff point. And you look before that, uh, because, you know, the margarita made tequila drinks blow up. But before that, there's really not so much stuff. Uh, like the menu at the El Patio Bar in Mexico City had a tequila daisy 
which was tequila with lime juice and grenadine, uh, mm. apparently. Uh, no actual recipe from the 30s survives for this drink, and it was very popular. It was the most popular tequila drink. But a really simple drink and made carefully a really tasty one. Uh, and that one was kind of the model for everybody uh, that had a tequila cocktail. They don't give recipes for these. A Pancho Villa, that I know from the different uh, menu, was uh, uh, tequila with Italian vermouth and a little bit of grenadine and uh, a little bit of uh, vanilla extract. Something a little uh, fragrant uh, just, just to, to put some drops in it. And that's about it. And these are the kinds of drinks that you, you look and you see all the bars in Mexico City are serving more or less the same drinks uh, at the time because these weren't really bars for most yeah. Mexicans, right? I mean, Mexico City in the 1940s, the big cocktail bars, it was like tourists and I guess people from the upper class who spent their time, most of their time in the U.S. or or or, or Europe or something. And there's just not a lot of uh, like real Mexican content in those bars, as far as I could tell. Yeah, this is more of the worldly class people, people that got around, people that understood and were probably sipping um, – Brandy's at home, right? Which is a very yeah. big thing for Mexico for a very long time. I don't think most people uh, were exposed to these cocktails for the most part. When we talk about that, it's a very siloed sort of uh, effort. Whereas now, uh, with Mexico's Burgundy, uh, you know, an up and coming and well now established, right, Benja? Cocktail scene, uh, everybody has access to it. It's far more accessible. Like, I, re I remember my grandfather, what his bottle that he has was like brandy and cognac, like yeah. that yeah. maybe like what maybe uh, those days the people just to drink and and whiskey, but as you say, no no tequila after I think after the seventeenth, late seventeenth when they start the boom, even from 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 the Mexican people. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really interesting. You you find a couple drinks that were popular kind of outside of Mexico City. That was the sangrita, mm -hmm. uh, with which isn't like you don't mix it. With with the tequila, you drink it as a chaser. That's right, alongside and, of it. Yeah, alongside it. And it's, you know, uh, the version my wife learned from the Mexican ambassador to the UN when, when she was uh, maitre d' at an American place restaurant here was uh, orange juice, mm -hmm. uh, hot sauce, grenadine, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe a little maggi seasoning. Oh, maggi. Worcester. Maggi. Yeah. yeah, yeah Worcester. Worcester. Sure. And you know that was that was that was the, that was the version she learned. Yeah, and that, that's that's pretty old school. Right. There are a lot. It's a much more complicated drink now. And it is a lot. It's far more old school because uh, the tomato did not come into effect until yeah. way later. The original was grenadine based. Oh. Yeah, right. But I think you touch on something very important, which is that there are hotbeds within Mexico that were drinking tequila alongside. Yeah. Also, you, know? you you find the petroleo. Mm -hmm. Was a tequila and maggi seasoning, yeah. which is like basically like more or less soy sauce. Yeah, we're glens for punishment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and you know the stuff the stuff is really dark. Yeah, and right. you mix it with tequila, and it looks like petroleum. Yeah. So yeah. you know that was a popular drink, petroleum. Yeah. We're still juicing like in, yeah. in places and mainly for do like uh, micheladas. Like, yeah, well, you know? it's good at a you yeah. need it for a michelada, <laughs> yeah. I think. And also, you get the uh, various. Uh, I've seen them called the Changirongo, which was uh, uh, back. I think that's an old name for it. It was tequila with any kind of uh, uh, sweet carbonated soda, like tequila and Coke, tequila so cool. and Sprite, tequila and yeah. Fanta. 
and uh, back in the seventies, that was called the Changarongo. And, we, and that and, obviously is the Batanga, like we the you know, Batanga the gave birth to Coke. Yeah, and, yeah. And and would that also like include the Paloma too? I assume. Well, or? tequila and Sprite goes back to nineteen fifty. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. really old. Yeah, nineteen fifty yeah. is a long time ago for that. And you know. Uh, Grapefruit flavored soda and tequila. I mean, a natural combination, one of the great ones. But uh, it's uh, it goes back like quite a ways, and that was and, pretty popular. And, and and before I say this, we'll check with with Benjamin here. I mean, usually our perception is that the Paloma is actually the cocktail that people in Mexico drink, like as opposed to the margarita. Like we assume it's the margarita, but it's in fact the Paloma. Is that actually true, or is that? Is that awesome? <laughs> no, no, the, the Paloma has always been in the trend, but mainly yeah. now with the new generations, they are doing more like a Cristalino and Soda. They are doing or or, or Neat, or we're doing like uh, kind of Paloma because they put right. like the the squirt uh, soda with um, sparkling water. So it's like a mix. Like yeah, we yeah, call yeah. it like. So it's not so sweet. Yes, exactly. It's more. Mainly what they are drinking now, like the, a, the like younger ones. Like a tequila, ones. like Presbyterian almost, yeah. like a, where you're cutting <laughs> the sugar. Like, right. It's a tequila like grapefruit a form of Presbyterian. Highball. <laughs> you right. have a problem with that, that Noah? That's not confusing <laughs> at all, but yes. <laughs> well, I mean, you you know, Jaime, you talked about this, you touched about this, you know, a little bit, but, you know, also our perception, I think, in America is that, like, people all over Mexico, you know, that tequila was always embraced, obviously it was always available, but were there certain places where people really, where tequila was really popular as opposed to other places? In Mexico? Yeah, absolutely. I think tequila is particularly endemic to the to the hotbed that is, for example, the western part of Mexico that they gave it birth, if you will. Um, you know, and I, I was interested mm -hmm. in, in asking um, Dave whether or not you see that tie back back to that region, because in my estimation, yeah. it's mostly the northern part of Mexico. And the funny thing there is that the, then the mixer changes depending on where you are regionally speaking, right? In Mexico, like the rest, like the U.S., uh, there were only there were certain distribution points for a certain brands. So somebody in the north, for example, probably wasn't using uh, Squirt, right? Where somebody no. in, in the western part of Mexico was, right? Boy, so uh, advocate for Squirt. I think it's a great product. You know, for, for a Paloma, <laughs> that would be that would be Cristalino Squirt and Lime and Salt yeah, yeah. is uh, is the yeah, way to go. I, yeah. You know, but, I, I would drink that right now. As a yeah, matter of fact, yeah. I, mean, I got to tell you. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, so, but, but so that part of Mexico was hyper focused on it. You grew up around it. Growing up there, yeah. you, you know, you saw it on tape. You saw people and all the all the other fixings were were sort of available to you, and I think culturally speaking, I think that was very endemic to the local culture and and how you how I, you engage with it. I've heard that the uh, the Paloma started off at Tlaquepaque outside of uh, that's that's the story yeah. at the square there, yeah. and it was kind of a quick and dirty version of the margarita that the tourists kept asking right. for, and they're like, "Well, we don't really have all that." Well, you know what I think of Dave? I think of I think of the Cantarito. Yeah. Right. Well, I yeah. think of something that would perhaps was a little bit more uh, just as prolific. Everybody knew about it. It's very Mexican in the in the yeah. fact that you like put it together like you would a dish, and it literally is served in something yeah, that looks bowl, like a right? dish, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, but I think that I think the paloma is kind of a good extension of that. It's kind of yeah. a, a dial down version of that, right? Squirt, 
comes in a bottle or grapefruit soda comes in a bottle, has all these different profiles that sort of read, read like that. I, I found an article from the 70s. Somebody was drinking in the square there at Tlaquepaque. And, and uh, she says, well, yeah, at the beginning of the evening, you know, everybody had the salt rim and the glass mm -hmm. and, uh, and and the lime. <laughs> and the end of the evening, the tables were just full of bottles of Sprite and empty caballitos, empty shot glasses. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and that's all people were doing. Yeah. <laughs> they just kind of, uh, or wink was the other yeah. one. One, you know, and uh, just just grapefruit soda and tequila yeah. done easy, easy, easy. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're simple people. I think also, you know, sometimes in America, depending upon who you know you ask, or there are a lot of myths and ideas about the types of tequila that people drink in Mexico, and you know it. You know, over the last twenty years, I've never been able to get really a straight answer about that. <laughs> um, and, you know, can you guys set this straight a little bit about really, you know, there are obviously many types of tequila now that are being made. Like, what are really the most popular? I would love types? to give you my take on it. And maybe yeah. Benkai give you his take in the on or the bar yeah. scene, what's, what's being ordered. Uh, I can tell you at home, and, and it was always Reposados for the longest time, right? And then it wasn't until about 2015. I think it was the 2015. I don't want to misquote much. It was the 2015 or 2017 that we saw the first time ever in the history of Mexican consumption, right? Tequila consumption. An overturn where tequila went from, reposados went from being the number one style of consumption to number two. That was the first time I think wow. Mexico ever drank more blancos and then did reposados. Yeah. Um, and I think a new appreciation sort of, sort of grew from that. Um, and so I would say, and I don't know if this is the right answer you're seeking, <laughs> right? You asked the wrong, you asked the wrong answer, person. Right? But I think, I think, uh, there's no right answer. Yeah. I mean, no, you know I that. think now, I think people now are definitely a lot more interested in what's uh, in their glass equally as what's in their plate, yeah. right? If you ever, you know, eaten outside of tacos and, and everything else that we're, that we're known for, uh, Mexico has a beautiful gastronomy scene that's just reaching every corner of the world. I mean, one of the greatest in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody knows that. And so I think you're seeing a lot of that appreciation also. So I think we're kind of here to stay in the Blanco territory where people really or or the, the brighter tequilas where people really are appreciating those nuances that come with it. And and ultimately everything in between. And I think that's kind of where Cristalino starts to come in because it sort of is a great sort of um, I want to say jump off, but it's a great extension of something that's classically referred or revered as something that's bright, that's agave forward, that's vegetal, that's very terroir driven. Um, but yet encompasses and has all the beautiful notes of an aged spirit, yet yeah, with that duality and that brightness and that crispness where you can mm -hmm. put it in a caballito, you can put it in a paloma, you can put it in a long drink, and you still get the benefit, the flavor, with the smoothness and all of the other complexity that comes along with, you know, aged spirits, if you will. I think, like, for palomas always were doing, like, mainly when I get the first Time was with reposado and has me say like reposado was the the way to to mix it was the what we were drinking then uh, like a, a straight was like añejo to sip in during the meals that we mm -hmm. have it to start the meals añejo and then I think we moved like 10 15 years to blanco mainly and now they they come like one another category in Mexico that was still in like uh, tequila has been always the main uh, category in Mexico. So they still like losing little points with another category. But now with the Cristalino is when they come and re they recover that that share of the market. And now it's mm -hmm. ahead. It's that innovation that they give, give to the final consumer and to all the industry, a new approach to this uh, 
to this category that is growing and we have more a lot of expression and we have more variety to taste and to have. So that's why maybe it's difficult to answer because there are so many yeah. expression of tequila mm -hmm. and everyone that they have, even me is like, I, it's more not like what's my favorite It's more the occasion when you are going to enjoy and how right. you are going to, to with your friends It's going to be, it's mm -hmm. a party. You are going to mix it or it's going to be neat. It's a, it's a lunch or it's a dinner. So it depends on that. That's maybe what, no one give you a correct answer. No, <laughs> I feel, I feel <laughs> a little bit better. I keep looking. Yeah. 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 But I think it's a great, it's a great, yeah. sorry, it's a great acknowledgement of um, Mexico's um, sort of uh, adoption of everything that's great about spirits in general. Being proud of something that is endemic comes from uh, uh, the motherland, but also uh, exhibits such variety. And so I think what you have is you have... Mexican culture for the first time adopting the occasion to Benja's point, which I think for the longest time, you know, everything's celebratory, you know, sure, tequila was worse for the moment. Uh, but I don't think people dove in deeper than that to establish whether or not do I want to, you know, do I want to do I want to sip this tonight? Do I want it in a cocktail? Right, right. No, Sorry. And that's why, like, every time I, I talk, uh, talk about tequila, is I say, like, I think the, the, the world is thirsty for tequila because the last 17 years has been a record production of tequila. So everyone I've been trolling and have the opportunity to do get cheaper in five continents and everywhere I go, they always is like tequila and I, I have the Margarita El Pastor when we do the get chief and we always do the double of what we, they usually ask you to prepare. And we are always is the first one to we sell out and it's the quickest <laughs> one. Like one day in India, we were like in a Margarita Pastor rush because we need to do more because it's kind of like the flavor a <laughs> little bit like a chutney for them. So it was mm -hmm. like with that night we did like 240 margaritas and wow. pastor. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> how, yeah. how do you think? Okay, so if it's more occasion based, which makes me a little feel a little bit better, um, <laughs> how I've been doing it you, for you, you know, Benjamin. Like, how do you see like different types of tequila? Like, you know, do they affect how you make cocktails? Like, you know, the you know at your bar, like, you know, there's certain ones. You know, do you find yourself gravitating to using you know blanco or reposado or cristalino in different like you know types of recipes yeah i think like in every in every category you need to to understand the, the spirit the liquid so you can how to to mix it and how to spec and to offer it to the consumer so i think uh, as i say all the categories have different range so depends what you want to express everyone behind the bar they have their own inspiration or their own feeling and how to their interpret interpret that that spirit so it's when they offer and how the way they mix it they yeah. could be like very like with a lot of ingredients or very simple or even like neat like for cristalino it's 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 the way that i think i see in the people is drinking mainly or in, yeah. in mexico in mexico city because it depends like like i, I say like it's okay, it, so does this make me mexican <laughs> yes i'm drinking Chil Chil no, chilango because chilango. Yeah, that's mexico specific it's I, from mexico city <laughs> so speaking of regionality though I, yeah, yeah. I, or not we didn't we didn't say that right we were speaking of no one said that uh but if i can die but we can speak of it right. don't worry it's if okay can, right it's if i can cool. dive into because i think benka touched on a very good point so this guy here um 
was raised primarily in Guadalajara, which is the western part of Mexico, which again is where tequila comes from, or at least was defined, right? Denomination of origin. That's another masterclass for another day. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's another fight that's we don't another, need to get into today. That's another that's fight hard. we do not need yeah. to get into. Uh, but tequila's always been about reinvention, about uh, innovation, et cetera. And so I think, um, you know, Mexico, of course, Mexico City, CDMX has, has developed uh, this this again, this, this cocktail culture, which is really, really the, the temple of all of Mexico. And then it, and then it, and then it went elsewhere. Uh, and Guadalajara's not to let, not, because, you know, if there's Guadalajara bartenders listening, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are, there's, there's a, a beautiful burgundy scene also happening in Guadalajara, and, and you'll, you'll hear more, more about them. You know, Guy Altanero's from there as well, clearly. You know, is also in World's 50 Best. And, and so mm-hmm. the, the, the point is, they're now working with a lot of tequila and they're doing that in cocktails. And I think regionally, you do have a shift in terms of how people consume. So what I mean by that is while Mexico City might be appreciating it neat, Guadalajara is predominantly drinking it in highballs. So you're seeing a lot of highballs, you're seeing a lot of fresh juice, a lot of uh, salt from the neighboring mm-hmm. state of Colima, right? This is how localized we mm-hmm. get. Uh, and and it's something that's that's truly happening. And uh Am I remi- should, should we be explaining what a Cristalino is for those folks that are listening? Sure. Just yeah, so we can well. sort of bridge that. Yeah, we uh, because I think what, you know, it's it's best to understand what the Cristalino offering is. And to me, it's, I think we've changed the alchemy of, you know, this is spare production mm. is a combination of art form and chemistry, mm-hmm. science, right? That's what this is. It's like cooking. Right? These are chemical reactions that happen. And so when it comes to Cristalinos, you know, it's an aged tequila that essentially is filtered uh, through charcoal filtration uh, that can be spoke to each each brand or style and ultimately results in a tequila whose byproduct becomes cl- crystal clear. I don't that's not the intention. That's the byproduct. What we get by filtration is we get to sort of highlight this beautiful, bright, those notes that are endemic mm-hmm. to the to the plant itself, which is a huge contributor to tequila profile, clearly. And then those nuances that are imparted by the oak, right? Those tannic notes, that complexity, uh, that that fig, that caramel, whatever it is that you might get. And it rounds it out and it polishes it in a way where you have this great breadth of flavor that stems from, you know, a, a, a brand that is equally as complex as well as as bright and and refreshing and crisp at times. So that's that's what a Cristalino is in the whole. And what we have here is we have a uh, really a, a portfolio of varying Cristalinos that have been aged in different casts for different durations of time, blended, finished, uh, and then filtered. So all of that gives us an array of flavors that Benkai and you were speaking of. Uh, but I wanted just to set that that tone for what we're speaking of in terms of how I mean, cocktail. It's interesting because that, that's a. Uh, something pioneered in Cuba, really, with uh, with rum. The, the, with Funny, you should say uh, that. I know, I know. <laughs> in two thousand eight, that's that's exactly where this know how was taken from. It was taken from other spirits who apply this type of production. Juan Domingo had this uh, this, and again, taking from inspiration from other from other categories of spirit is. What if we were to filter this tequila? What would that do to the flavor and how would it impact it? And the way I like to preface it or say it is that by doing so, you change the alchemy of the spirit, right? You change. You know, again, this is an art form that intersects perfectly with um, with science, after all. And so the idea back in 2008 was why not explore? Why not look uh, at what that how and 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 uh, what applications would affect the spirit? It has a weird effect on the spirit because it lets through some of the oak notes, but it gets rid of the tannins right. in particular. And it, and, you, and it leaves a lot of the, of the flavor of the base spirit. But it it takes off some of the most aggressive parts of the oak aging, which is interesting. You know, it's it doesn't leave a it, it, depending on how you manage it. But when well managed, it leaves a flavorful spirit that's still got you know 
some of the the, the base material yeah. in there, et cetera. But it's uh, you 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 get the extra vanillins from from the aging without all the 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 kind of the bitterness and the uh, the, the, the 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 make the roof of your mouth dry tannins in there. One of the things, um, Jaime, we that that scared me a little bit when you and Dave and I were doing a talk last year. We were talking about the crazy increase in global demand for tequila, right? right? Yeah, Which is right. like terrifying because obviously, like to drink tequila <laughs> with like <laughs> a, fear of it a, right a now. constant yeah, supply, concerned. right? Yeah. So, and one of the markets that you would highlighted, I remember, and we were there with um, uh, another uh, Mexican bartender, another Mexico City bartender. Um, and and both of you were talking about how in Mexico the demand has really gone through the roof, like in in a way that we haven't seen before. And a lot of it, which I did not know, a lot of it was being driven by the demand for Cristalino tequilas. That's right. I it's, mean, it's, it is what's driving the category and double digit growth, um, and it's been exponentially <laughs> slowly developing in the last you know ten plus years. Um, and I think we're starting to see that trickle effect happening here as more and more people. Listen, I think the tequila drinker is an innovative person, in, you know, themselves, right? I mean, anybody who talks to me, anybody that comes to me and says, Jaime, you know, let's have a shot or, or I'd love to taste your tequila or what have you, is probably a kindred spirit of mine, right? Got a kindred soul because ultimately I think there's a special type of person, uh, not to leave out you whiskey drinkers out there or what have you, but there's a special type of person that loves tequila. I mean, truly loves it, mm -hmm. not just for the effect. Yes, I said it, but also for the benefit of flavor and all of and all yeah. that it brings, right? And so I think whenever you get together, you get these people uh, to understand that it's um, it's important to note that while Mexico is incrementally having an obsession with it, um, you know, clearly the the the, the market is trying to keep up. But you have people right now that are just really into the subject and are and are and are exploring things like cristalinos because they are open and receptive and welcoming of something new. Now, here's a, here's a question that I don't have an answer for. Mexico has been making rum since the 1500s. That's right. And was, in fact, in the 19th century, it was by far the biggest spirit made in Mexico. Lots and lots of rum, lots of cane spirits. And I'm wondering if, if uh, the Cristalino is meeting some of the traditional rum drinkers kind of halfway. Uh, I think that's a great point to bring up. I think it definitely... So I have friends who have told me, you know, I, I typically like X, mm -hmm. um, but I've come into the Cristalino category expecting, you know, to get some of that and get that fill, if you will, that, yeah. that need yeah. met while getting... Uh, and I'm doubling down now. While getting the benefits of tequila, if you will, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's that. It's a very different sort of... Uh, I mean, it's got the tequila Experience flavor, but it's, yeah. it's 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 a little mellowed, and it's got a little kind of that 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 mellow rum rumness to it. And I think when somebody understands what a cristalino is, like saying the rum category, or understands yeah. right what it's meant to do, and and could still use it in applications, I think that's another entry point for those folks that are out there conceptualizing cocktail or menus or drinks. Right? Is that the application is similar in that respect? In that. Tequila has always been that thing, and it's very unique in that fact, right? That it, it's that mm -hmm. spirit that you can use and swap out really any base spirit and still make a great cocktail, right? Whether it's an old-fashioned, whether it's a Manhattan, whatever the case may be. Uh, and I think now, I think it's an opportunity for bartenders to get their hands on it and apply it in many ways the way you would a... Because you, there's, a, there's, a, there's a distinction between you, as, you uh, and how you bartend and how you apply an aged rum and that, that, that which has been, um, you know, right? That which yeah. has been, like, filtered. And I think for tradition, like in Mexico, like it's come since home, like 
if you arrive to any home, like almost every home in Mexico, they offer you a tequilita. Mm-hmm. So it's like a welcome thing that w- we have now. It's still like offer you something before water. We usually, they offer you first a tequilita at home. So in the morning it's cafecito, but after midday they offer you a tequilita. And now what I've seen in so many of, of the homes of my friends, of uh, relatives, is like they are offering you the Cristalino version. Yes, ah, it's the, interesting. It, it is, it's, it, it's what they are offering. So they, And they, is that just a small glass of, of tequila or like a... Or, they they uh, give you mainly in, in, in rocks glasses, like, like it's what they give you, yeah. like not like... To sip, like to sip in, but yeah. not like in, in the shot glasses. They yeah. are like pouring in, in a old fashioned glass. Like it's where, where they they pour in the the, the cristalino tequila when you you arrive and go to see the friends or the family. Yes. When I you know Dave and I talk a lot about this on our show, and you know at when when we're just having a drink together, but how you know cocktails and spirits and recipes go around the world. And how these recipes are influenced by local cultures and ingredients and, you know, uh, you know, things go back and forth across borders and time. And Benjamin and also Jaime, like, what do you think for for Mexico's bartending scene? What do you think is the future? Like what you know, where is it going next? I mean, it's come so far and gone in so many interesting directions over the last 10 years, I'd say. You know, with your bar obviously opening up and then many other bars following it. Oh, that changed the world. I mean, (laughs) absolutely. I mean, if you were going to look in your crystal ball, your tequila crystal ball, what what do you think, you know, Mexico's, you know, bartending cocktail scene is going? No, I've just been a judge of a global final of a cocktail competition. And before it was very clear the difference between regions of the world how they uh, how they offer but now i see that the gap is very close like now and everyone is coming for take their local ingredients in every country yeah. that i think it's what they are uh, we're still doing or, or is like the trend or what we, we're using so maybe for mexico like one thing that uh, they've have to say is like for me when since we opened the Correria Limantour, the main focus is like we have a great cuisine so mm-hmm. we have is super highly like not just like the fancy restaurant but also the street food where you go and it's like super tasty flavors colorful so it's an opportunity to have and to about the gap between what we were drinking and what we were eating was like huge gap mm. so when when we opened Limantour what the main idea was to close that gap to have the same offer as rich and unique and flavor and you know like they satisfy your 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 butts but yeah, yeah. all the senses so yeah. at the same time as as the food because you like uh, as i say like always when you go to to have a meal you start with a liquid and you finish a liquid even if it's not uh, like a spirit or not spirit you can right. start with like my mom doesn't uh, she doesn't uh, drink but she start with sparkling water and finish with a coffee but it was li- liquid right. and my yeah. father no he start with booze and finish with booze <laughs> but, but, but oh, okay no but but you like it's always a li- you, you you know the, the the liquid is always and is they have more you have more space to enjoy than yeah. the food and that's why we have i see the opportunity that more than the opportunity as business is more like to try to be as good as the food in mexico no 
Ooh, yeah. That's, well, that's, yeah. you succeed. It's a high <laughs> bar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a, it is. Well, how about you, Jaime? I mean, you, you're crisscrossing Mexico all the time, meeting with bartenders. I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, I, touched, I think you touched on a great point. I think Bangkok expounded on it perfectly. I think people are very proud of what's endemic to them and what's local and what's, you know, again, something they can provide that distinguishes them from the rest of the world. I also think, however, that like we've all seen and lived through, uh, you know, that it's cyclical, right? And there's Absolutely. trends that come and go and there's oh, yeah. things that yeah. Mexico will adopt and sort of put out into the world and someone else will then take from there and put their own spin in. It just kind of, it's like a marathon race, which is, which is beautiful to see. Um, so for Mexico, I mean, right now, I mean, we went through, we went through a classic cocktail revival. Mexico's already gone through uh, a big gin craze. Remember that mm -hmm. <laughs> with uh, everything in Mexico mm -hmm. City. So I think right now, I think what you're seeing is you're seeing, yeah, the, that adoption of more culinary and more, um, and more progressive drinks that are based on, uh, not, not necessarily the classic format yeah. or things that are already exist, but really new things that, um, that are happening and um, yeah, depending on who you ask, and you have some people that are kind of simplifying it and going back to really simple cocktails. So it'll, it'll, it'll be sangrita and caballitos. We may very well have to come up with a new name now that it's a Cristalino and a, or a sangrita, but yeah. Sounds cool. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. Um, hopefully we'll, next time we'll, we'll all meet at, in Mexico City at Limontor for uh, one of your uh, signature El Pastor uh, margaritas or some uh, class oh, What a of, fantastic uh, idea. Yeah. We'll, we'll I, do it in a to-go cup and take a uh, taco tour. <laughs> there you go. Taco tour. If there's anybody in Mexico who knows tacos, <laughs> yeah, it's this no, guy right a taco here. Taco tour and a mar and with our yeah. margarita to go. That would be yeah. really great. Well, well, cheers. Uh, Salud. Salud. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for your time. For, thank you for all that they came and the ones who are listening. And hope we met face to face in, in Licoreria Limantour and we can say salud. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fix Me a Drink. Dave and I encourage you to always drink responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>